Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So this week's message, we are talking about... I am the Good Shepherd. And last week we talked about... I am the Gate. Yes. So give it up for Pastor RJ. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all today. I have a joke for you. Did someone say Pastor Mary's not here? She sent me this joke. Actually, I sent it to her and she sent it back to me because I couldn't find it. Okay, unrelated to my message. A frog goes into a bank, approaches the teller. He can see from her nameplate that her name is Patty Wack. Miss Wack, I'd like to get a $30,000 loan to take a holiday. Patty looks at the frog in disbelief and asks his name. The frog says his name is Kermit Jagger. His dad is Mick Jagger, and that it's okay he knows the bank manager. Patty explains that he will need to secure the loan with some collateral. The frog says, sure, I have this, and produces a tiny porcelain elephant about an inch tall, bright pink, and perfectly formed. Very confused, Patty explains that she'll have to consult with the bank manager and disappears into a back office. She finds the manager and says, there's a frog called Kermit Jagger out there who claims to know you and wants to borrow 30000 and he wants to use this as collateral. She holds up the tiny pink elephant. I mean, what in the world is this? The bank manager replies. It's a knickknack, Paddywhack. Give the frog a loan. His old man's a rolling stone. Oh my gosh. No, I couldn't sing it. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I try sometimes, hey? Okay, on a more serious note, many of you are aware, um, as we're uh, beginning today before I prelude into the message, that there was some parents' rights rallies that were held across the nation last week, and I have a couple observations as a Christ follower that I think we should be aware of, at least as, as a local body of believers. For me as a parent, I believe that I have the right to parent my children including guiding them down the path of life until adulthood, where hopefully they will be able to make decisions in their own best interest under Christ. Proverbs 22.6 is very clear when it tells us, direct your children on the right path. Another translation of that would be train up a child. If you were to look up the word train in the dictionary, it says, teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. Direct. Control the operations of, manage or govern, aim in a particular direction, give someone an official order or an authoritative instruction. Biblically, parents are to train, direct their children on the right path, including teaching them about proper behavior, governing their behavior, aiming them in a direction, and giving them authoritative instruction. Now, here's where the, here's where the conflict comes. There's an ideology in our nation that children can make Decisions about things that are above their level of maturity. In this case, sexuality, 
without parental guidance or influence. Now, how many know in Canada, how old do you have to be to vote? 18. So you can't make an intelligent decision on a politician until you're 18. How old do you have to be to drive a vehicle? By yourself? You're going to have to be a little bit older. It's graduated at 17 and then 18, right? Okay. If you go down to the beer store and you want to buy alcohol, 19. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But making decisions about your sexuality... I'm going to suggest to you that it is not the state-sponsored educator's job or responsibility to teach sexuality to children who are not mature enough for the content that's being delivered. The rallies were actually hijacked, I think, by the media, and it turned into an us against them. And any time you see us against them being portrayed, it's very dangerous because it divides. It sows discord in a nation. And anybody involved in us against them is creating some problems. If you want to feed into that, it's going to create problems. The LGBTQ people and hatred became the focus um, of these rallies. Okay? The Bible tells us as Christ followers how we are supposed to live. Okay? We live with our flesh and it's lust crucified daily. That's how Christians live. Okay? And we don't hate people even if we disagree with their lifestyle because Jesus died for everyone. So as Christ followers, it's not about hatred, but they've kind of hijacked some things in the culture, as I, I'm using that word. But nowadays, it seems, and I talk about this often to remind you, disagreement is not hatred. Okay? If I happen to cheer for the Dallas Cowboys and you like a different team, you cheering for a different team, like Mike over here cheers for Green Bay still, um, um, you know, there's no malice or hatred there. And you might think, well, it's just sports. Yeah, but on any ideology, on any belief system, there's people that I have that are friends of mine that practice different faiths. But we still have a mutual respect and tolerance for one another. Even though we come to different conclusions, we can still get along and there's no hatred there is my point. Okay, so disagreement does not equal hatred, but when someone has an idea and you disagree with it and they say you hate me, there's a problem. They're not being intellectually honest. Now, some of you might not like this either, but it's still true. The state-sponsored media. So when the government pays for most of the budget of a television program or a radio show, then it's state-sponsored because they also restrict what that said show or program can talk about. They restrict freedom of press. So currently, there's an anti-Christ ideological outlook in Canada and some of the nations of the world. I listened to some of the radio shows and what they talked about and read some of the national articles about these rallies, and they missed the whole point. The point was, I'm a parent. I want to be able to parent my child and influence my child without interference from the education system. Okay? They turned it into, well, we hate these kids and we won't let you parent them. And it's about parents' rights, okay? So they communicated one aspect of a narrative, but they didn't communicate the full picture and they made it seem like it's something that it wasn't. But I'm going to suggest to you, parents in Canada are not willing to let the state or the government indoctrinate their children on sexuality. 
Now that said, every school has an anti-bullying policy, and they should, which means that any child, regardless of their race, religion, or belief and custom, should not be bullied by other children. However, I have heard from numerous parents time and again that it doesn't apply to their children if they disagree with this radical ideology. In some cases, it seems that the radical educators are encouraging the bullying to try to get children who don't conform to conform, promoting their own agenda. And, and I'm going to suggest that really basic education in a school system should be things like math, science, history, language, geography. Okay, these are the things we should be teaching children. We shouldn't be educating them on political ideologies. Okay. Um, we live in a world where politicians and the news media is out of touch with society's views and opinions. In this social experiment that we're in right now, they continue forcing it on us. And I'll just use this as a for instance. AM800, a local channel, they do a news poll every day. And I love the way that they word some of these questions. Are you in favor of these hate-filled anti-whatever rallies? Despite the language that they used, 96% of the population that voted said, yes, we're in favor of parental rights, and 4% said no. Boy, that poll went away pretty quietly, and they didn't talk about it too much. I listened. I was like, are they going to talk about it? Nope, didn't see nothing on it. Jesus is coming again. We, his church, his bride, need to be holy and spotless. I mean, the, the biblical language talks about without wrinkle, without spot, pure, holy, just like the lambs that were sacrificed had to be pure and spotless. We have to live and align our lives with the truth of the scriptures, not the cultural norms. And over the last 50 years, there's a lot of cultural norms that have subtly crept their way into churches, and it's not acceptable according to the scriptures. For instance, the Bible says, flee fornication. Don't participate in sex outside of a marriage covenant. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay, so that's the moral code by the moral lawgiver, God. How many know in our culture, sex outside of the marriage is not only allowed, but it's encouraged? Okay, the culture should not find its way into churches, yet if someone can walk into a church and feel comfortable living in fornication, there's a problem. If you're living in active fornication, I want you to be squirming in your seat right now because the word of God says, don't. <laughs> if you're a Christ follower, you shouldn't be living that way. We don't participate in those things. <sighs> the same is true. The Bible says, don't be drunk. Don't go get drunk. The Bible says, don't give yourself over to pharmakeia or drugs. The Bible says, don't give yourself over to gluttony. The Bible says, don't gossip, right? There's... There's things that the Bible establishes as truth, but I find it interesting that we're seeing now in church circles where some of these things are being shifted and allowed. Okay. Morality is not subject to your opinion. The truth of God's word is subject to God's word alone. Okay. And, and what happens is I appreciate that the culture has an opinion or some movie star has an opinion or they think something. But we as Christ followers have to look to the word of God as our source of strength, as our source, as our guide, as our, as our path, like the pathway of the word of God. We have to come to that place because if we don't, we're going to get swept into the culture. 
And how are you ever going to stand up and be a light in the culture if you look just like it and you act just like it and you accept the things the culture likes? Jesus was a radical. He confronted the culture. He confronted the religious leaders. He did so with love and truth, but he confronted them consistently and they killed him for it because they hated the truth. They loved the darkness more than the light. And in the world we live in today, people love the darkness more than the light. But we are the church and we have a mandate to let our light shine as long as we have the opportunity. So we're going to harvest while it's day and we're going to continue to reach out to the world around us and we're going to continue loving people and we're going to continue sharing the love of God with others. That said, now I'm going to go over into this I Am series with I Am the Good Shepherd. That's a good start, hey? You awake now? <laughs> In John 10, uh, 11 to 16, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The revelation that Jesus makes about his identity and character as the good shepherd immediately follows last week's lesson that we talked about, I am the door. Okay. Now we are, um, we are the sheep. So we're sheep, Jesus is the good shepherd. Last week he talked about he was the door to the sheepfold. Now he's going to talk about he is the shepherd. He's the one that protects us and brings us to that place of safety. Once again, in the same context, you see Jesus was addressing the religious leaders of the day. Um, in this case, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees. Maybe there were some Sadducees there, I don't know, the ruling council. But he defines or he, he talks about the primary difference between the good shepherd and a hireling, okay? And they would have known that he was talking about them, and they would have known that he was contrasting himself with them in their, in their leadership because Jesus says first he cares about his sheep, okay? God loves you and he cares about you. It says the hirelings run away at the first sign of danger, the wolves. The shepherd always fights on behalf of the sheep, even to the death, and Jesus eventually died for his flock. He died for all of us. He gave his life for you and I. From Genesis 48 and 49, we see this theme. Not every time the word shepherd is used in the Old Covenant does it refer to God being the shepherd of our hearts or our souls. But in Genesis 48 and 49, it's referred to God as our shepherd. You see this developed again in the book of Psalms. The Lord is my okay, And, and then through the prophets leading up into even um, into Zephaniah, there's some reference to God is our shepherd the shepherd of our soul, okay? So anybody who studied the Old Covenant, which would have been all the Jewish leaders of the day, they would have been very familiar with this language of sheep and shepherd and how God referred himself as the shepherd of his people, okay? So when Jesus used that covenant language that God used to describe himself to people, he was linking himself to the God of the Old Covenant. He was linking himself to the I am that I am, basically saying, I am God. 
and they were furious with him for that. Didn't they pick up stones at one place and then they tried to kill him and arrest him? Why? Because when you make a claim, I am God, that usually means that people have to respond to you differently and listen to what you have to say. But they were so caught up in their system of worship that they missed the whole point of it. All of the old covenant pointed to Jesus coming. Hundreds of prophecies pointed to his birth, the way he was going to die, that he was going to be betrayed by 30 pieces. Like, so many things were in there. They call them messianic prophecies, and I want to go into all those today. But the whole old covenant pointed to Jesus. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. He showed up right under their very noses, and they missed it. They missed the whole point of it. Now, when Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd, he's distinguishing himself from the false shepherd that's talked about in Zechariah 11. So in Zechariah 11, it talks about the false shepherd who's going to abandon the sheep and run away. And, and every Jewish leader that he was talking to knew exactly what he was talking about, knew he was addressing them, and they hated him for it. In fact, some of their debates, it even goes into it, if you read the context, it talks about they thought, is this man insane <laughs> or is he a blasphemer? They couldn't figure it out because he was claiming to be God. He put himself in the same category as God, and they couldn't handle it. In John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The good shepherd knows his sheep and they know his voice. If we are Christ's followers, if we are under his shepherd, if he's shepherding us, we need to A, know his voice and B, we need to follow his voice. Now, how many times from this very platform have we stood up here, our whole team, and we talk about all the time the importance of hearing the voice of God and obeying? How many times do we talk about that? In your daily life, you need to get instructions from Jesus on what he would like you to do every day, and then go do that. You activate faith. You listen and you obey. I listen and I obey. I listen and I obey. You need to listen and obey. Listen and obey. And we always listen and obey consistent to what the scriptures teach. Time and time again, we are a sheep. He's our shepherd. He keeps us safe. One of the definitions of even salvation has to do with the place of safety. God takes us out of the world and he puts us into his kingdom and there's a place of safety there and it doesn't matter what's happening around you you can have peace in the sheepfold when you're under the care of the great shepherd you catching this now there is people that want to scatter and destroy you but he gives us truth from his word to help us discern the lies from the truth especially the lies that the wolves so craftily bring in. Now, the good shepherd, he says, is going to protect you from the wolves that come in. Now, I see this pattern with wolves. They subvert the pathway. We've designed a pathway for people to show themselves approved because how many know the scriptures talk about you need to know the people that work among you and that there's a proving season whereby when you come to Christ, you prove yourself in the faith that you have the character and the skill, and the knowledge to walk in that gifting that God has released you to. No? You know what I'm talking about? The Apostle Paul disappeared for almost 13 years, give or take, because he had to go and study the scriptures in light of the new revelation he got when he encountered Christ. And then a guy named Barnabas eventually came and, hey guys, I think he's going to be okay. He's on our our side now. He's not trying to kill you anymore. He's trying to help us. Okay? And, and, and what happens is there was a proving season there. 
if you subvert the pathway, you're acting like a goat or a wolf. You're either resisting authority or you're a wolf and you have your own intentions and your own desires. Neither is going to be rewarded by the good shepherd. He will cast you out. I'm going to say this. Wolves hate discipleship. They hate discipleship. They do not like to share the limelight. Activating others is not even on their radar. Okay. Making disciples who make disciples is very consistent with what Jesus told us to do in the great commandment. Are you listening? He gave us two commands. Love God. Love people. That was the first command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Great command. Great commission. Go and make disciples. Didn't say go and make converts. Go preach to people. He said go and make disciples. Why? Because disciples who make disciples is how God wants us to operate on planet Earth. We weave this into so many things that we talk about. Why? Because you got to understand, God does not want you to just be the guy and then never train anyone else up to do it. You activate people all around you. The best people that serve in churches are people that activate so many people around them that they work themselves out of a job. Anywhere you go, you want to activate people to do what you do. And you want them to do it better than you do it. And when they do it better than you do it, then God will send you to your next assignment. And when you completed all the assignments on your life, then you get to graduate and go be with him. It's quiet in here. Is anyone awake? <laughs> we deal with wolves occasionally. We deal with them. We put them out. Not too long ago, a man came in who self-identified as a prophet. He was contentious. He was argumentative. And best of all, all of his doctrine was based on revelation he got from an angel. And it highly contradicted what the word of God teaches. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> Prophetic ministry, okay, is always to be judged and evaluated by the other leaders. Did you know that? Have you read 1 Corinthians 14, 29? It specifically even says it should be evaluated. In other words, when you're operating in the prophetic, the other leadership team needs to come and judge the word that's being brought forth 100% of the time. Anyone that's opposed to that, oh, no, you can't judge me. This is from God. They're missing the whole point because the gifts all work together. There was another one who came in here who stated he was a healer. When you don't go through the proving pathway, you show your level of submission to the local under-shepherds. Did you catch that? If you're following the voice of the good shepherd, you're going to follow the instruction of his under-shepherds. You don't just walk in off the street and come up here and start ministering to people. We don't know you. We don't know what spirits you carry. We don't know how you're going to operate. And we don't even know that you're going to operate according to the protocols that we've set up to keep people safe. Because as a shepherd, I want to keep, under shepherd, I want to keep the sheep, the congregation, safe. The church family needs to be safe. We want you to be safe. So we set up some, some rules by which there's engagement. 
So we don't let people do willy-nilly crazy things because there's a lot of loopy stuff in the kingdom. Maybe you've met some of those people over the years. Okay? The gifts are a sign of unity in the church, and if the operation of your gift is creating division consistently, there's a problem. There was a man years ago who thought everyone was supposed to have the same gift as him. Can you imagine the problem that this creates? If everybody has the same gift? Think about it. Everybody in the room knows how to run the soundboard, but nobody knows how to play piano. Everybody in the room knows how to preach, but no one knows how to go do some of the other stuff that has to happen on a regular basis. We, we have a diversity of gifts, and the diversity of gifts coming together is how the body is complete. And the truth is, the truth is, I do not have all the revelation. Shock just in. <laughs> I don't. But you know what? I have some revelation, and Steve has some revelation. And Iris has some revelation, and Derek has some revelation, and Mike has some revelation, and Nate and Melissa have some revelation, and Pastor Larry has some revelation. And hopefully, as a team, we can give you a better picture. We can give you a more complete, because the Holy Spirit has all the revelation, and we all are working with the Holy Spirit to give you the best possible balanced message. Now, you see this often with these people that have this evangelistic calling on their life. And we need people to do the work of the evangelist, and we need people that are evangelists. But they're great at leading people to the cross, and they're great at leading people to Christ. But then they need to partner with pastors and elders and teachers who are going to disciple people because what happens is we have to make disciples who make disciples. We can't just get them saved and then leave them. How many of you, when you were born, they just set you aside and said, there you go, grow up? Good luck. How many know you? those babies don't make it? And those parents are remiss. <laughs> Horrible. Okay. Same is true in the faith. You don't just lead someone to Christ and say, okay, go for it. You need to disciple them. You work with them. You teach them. You train them. Okay. If you're not making disciples who make disciples, I have to ask you the question, are you really one of a sheep? Because if Jesus says, here's my commands to my church, 2023, love me, love others, and make disciples. So if you're not actively engaged in making disciples in your life, are you really following Jesus? Because if you're only obeying the parts of the Bible that you like, then you're not obeying the whole Bible. Yeah, that landed really heavy. I'm gonna suggest to you Every minister here, every ministry here at Windsor Christian Fellowship is under the authority of myself and wife and the eldership team, pastoral team. There's a spiritual team and all the ministry that happens here is under the authority of that. And we have to try equip people. We release them. We activate them to do work in the local assembly within the family. And, and I also have spiritual leaders that speak into my life. Surprise, surprise. Because I have to be under authority so that I can be able to exercise it. Just like you need people in your life that are speaking into your life. See, this shepherding that we do, and I want to develop this fully today. I'll develop it another lesson. But that's why it's so important to get connected somewhere. 
You get connected in a connect group. You get connected in a ministry. You need to be serving alongside people with someone that can help you. And if you start getting off course, they just bump you back. Now, now, some of you, your idea of bumping back You know, my general premise, okay, if someone's off a little bit, you want to come and say, hey, let's get you back over here a little bit, okay? Let's, let's, let's just steer you back over here, and this is why. But some people, their way of dealing with that is simply, I kill you. <laughs> We're not trying to do that. We need to take a breath and just relax and, you know, a little grace and mercy goes a long way. Acts 20, 28. Amplified Bible. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. To shepherd, tend, feed, and guide the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I'm gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse and distorted things to draw away disciples after themselves as their followers. Have you heard me say, only follow me as I follow Christ, but if I stop following Christ, please stop following me. Okay. Any preacher or minister who does not acknowledge and give glory to Christ alone is a wolf. Wolves desire followers after themselves. It feeds their ego. They point people to self and not to Christ. Okay, we make disciples, we make disciples. God gets the glory. God provides the increase. Any preacher, minister, religious leader who does not acknowledge the truth of God's revelation, the, the truth of God's word, they're a wolf. They will eventually turn on you, even though their message sounds good, but when you stop meeting their emotional needs, look out. See, there is a whole bunch of people in the kingdom they need to go before Christ first, get his truth and his revelation, then bring it to people with humility, with love, with patience. And, and, and what happens is, I've seen it. Like, I'll just go back a ways. It's easier. When I was at school, there was a whole prophetic network that came up down in Dallas. But they weren't submitted to anyone. They were, they were a... I'm going to call them a rogue branch in the prophetic ministry of the kingdom. And they had all these crazy things happening down there. And there was a whole group of students that kind of got swept up and then said, oh, you need to come and you need to go. And I said, but they're not, they're not connected anywhere. It, it's, it's dangerous. No, no, you're wrong. And they gave me a really hard time and some of my friends because we wouldn't go and submit ourselves to that. But the truth is, that ministry came in like a, yeah, really quick. And then it went out really quick because it couldn't last. And just because someone says, hey, there's a revival happening. There was one down in Florida by a guy who had no character. And when all the data came out, there was all these people devastated in the faith because they were following a man, not following God. Okay. Leaders are going to miss it. Leaders are going to get off course. It happens. Okay? But we get connected to Christ. That's why we talked about that and being connected to the vine first and foremost. And then we're a family together. We do life together. And then we work in a local, a local community, a local assembly. So the other thing I wanted to talk about today is um, 
the other sheep. Did you read that at the beginning when I was talking about that? Does that does anyone ever think about what I was talking about when I read that in John 10, 15, 16? I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. What's he talking about? Real simple. I'm going to answer it by reading a scripture to you and then I'm going to explain. Romans 15, 7 to 13. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. And he also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Then he gives explanation. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, for this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place, it's written, rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to planet Earth primarily to minister to the Jewish people that were the covenant people at that time by which the Messiah came onto the planet. After he resurrected, um, uh, Paul came and started taking the message of hope to the Gentiles. Very simply, you're either born a Jew or you are a Gentile. Did we catch that? So many of you were not born Jewish, so therefore you're Gentiles. The gospel, the message of hope about Jesus, is for all people, including us Gentiles. Okay. Now, now that's, that's the other sheep that he was talking about. While he was here on planet Earth, he was ministering primarily to the Jewish people. I know he went to the Samaritan woman who was a half-Jew, and there was a Syrophoenician woman. There was a couple that he interacted with. But his primary ministry, and even qualified it, was to the household of David, to the Jewish people at the time. After he resurrected, he knew and intended, and it was always God's plan, that the message of hope would go to the nations of the earth. He went to the covenant people first. They missed the whole point. Eh, not all of them, some of them. That's the other sheep that Jesus was referencing there. And my gut read is, the Jewish leaders knew what he was talking about because <laughs> they knew all these scriptures about the Gentiles. They were not happy about that. There's a reason they crucified him, and they did not like him. Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. Listen. At the cross, we are all sinners saved by grace. No one is any better than anyone else. We've all broken God's law. We might have broken different ones, but as soon as you break one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of all of them. We're all sinners. We all needed Jesus to come and die for us. We needed our great shepherd to sacrifice himself so that we could have life and stay alive and be alive and gain eternal life. And then it says, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Ezekiel 34, 11 to 15, amplified. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my flock and seek them out. And as a shepherd cares for his sheep on the day that he is among his scattered flocks, so I will care for my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. Aren't you God, glad that Jesus rescued you from where you were scattered to? <laughs> I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture 
Their grazing ground will be the mountain heights of Israel. They will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will let them lie down to rest, says the Lord God. I'm going to suggest to you, we, his sheep, he as our shepherd brings us to a place where we can get fed, we can have safety, and we can have peace. That's what God wants for his people. So when you're under the care of the great shepherd, his intention towards you is not to destroy your life, not to scatter. He wants to gather you in and love you and care for you and protect you. But you have to determine, and let's stand together as we go to the table. You have to determine I asked them the same question as we came to the table in the first service, and I'm going to ask it to you. Look at your own heart and say, God, am I a sheep? Am I following after you and your commandments and doing, obeying what you've told me to do? Am I a goat? Do I resist the authority of the word of God and the authority of the scriptures? Do I resist you, God, when you're trying to work in my life? Or am I a wolf where I twist the scriptures for my own purposes, for my own gain? so that I can look good. Father, as we have the bread in our hand, I thank you that you are a great shepherd. We're willing to lay down your life. Sacrificially, you died so that we could live. You died for our healing. You died for our restoration. You died that we could have hope. So as we have the bread in our hands, I thank you that you minister to the hearts and minds of every person here. And those, Lord, that are are on the fence. They're not sure if they're a goat or a wolf or a sheep. Lord, help them to follow you with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind. Help them, all of us, God, to love you and to love others as we go about your business, building the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Lord, the cup, the blood of the new covenant Your word says to celebrate your death until you come. Lord, this is really our covenant meal. It's a celebration because you died for us. You freed us from death and hell. And that you brought us into the sheepfold. Help us, Lord, to follow you without reservation that we can put aside the sin that so easily besets us put aside the things of our past. We can lay our lives down. We can take up our cross each day and live a crucified life. Jesus, with you as our great shepherd, we will not be led astray and we can adhere to the truth of your word today. So Father, I thank you that you're ministering to hearts all over this room and you're helping men and women fully surrender to you every arena of their life. Not just the parts that they like, but all of their hearts. guide us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Speaking of the Jewish people, today is part of the days or 10 days of awe. 10 days of awe starts at Rosh Hashanah and ends tonight at sunset with Yom Kippur. And Pastor RJ, speaking of the days of awe, your message was awesome and very timely because the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. 
and became our high priest on this day, the day of Yom Kippur, which is the most solemn and sacred day of the seven feasts of Israel. Not everybody kind of knows about the festivals. You kind of need to explain. So we can go a little deeper on that for you. The Jewish holidays can be summed up like this. They tried to kill us. God showed up. We won. Now, let's eat. They're Christians. They like to eat. Seriously, folks. The beauty of the Jewish festivals is that God had established them as an infinite, meaningful, and prophetic, excuse me, and profound prophetic system through his choices of seven holy convocations or feasts, which demonstrates his eternal plan for Israel and the nations, a.k.a. the Gentiles. So we're, 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 we're all in that, the nations. In other words, the gospel is a manifestation in, in, the, in, in excuse me, the gospel manifest the seven feasts of Israel. Um, it is such a significant day Yom yeah, that the Apostle Paul wrote about how Yom Kippur foreshadowed the Messiah as the high priest and blood covering for those who believe in his letter to the Jewish believers recorded in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. But when Messiah appeared as our high priest of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle now made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, he entered the Holy of Holies once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So today, of all days, we remember that our Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look to him will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to deliver those who are eagerly waiting for him. Thank you. So our benediction today is compliments of the Apostle Paul, who prayed and uh, admonished the, the family of believers in Philippi with these words. And again, this is our benediction for you. May, you may your love abound, and by the, let me just back up. And so based upon pastor's message today, this could not be a better ammunition for all of us, and ammunition, sorry. May your love abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in knowledge and in practical insight, so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences, and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Messiah, 
actually living lives that lead others away from sin, filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Yeshua, the Messiah, to the glory and praise of God our Father, so that His glory may be both revealed and recognized. Windsor Christian Fellowship, with these great truths, and with your assurance that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have been equipped. Now, go be. Amen. God bless you.